fantastic. You may be seated. Oh, man, I'm telling you, Jesus is wonderful. He's fantastic. Let's give our musicians a great big encouragement. They did brilliant this morning. Absolutely. Oh, Jesus is so amazing. Jesus, we love you, Lord. I tell you what, he loves us so much. Jesus loves us so much. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We thank you, Lord. Tell you what, we could do with a box of tissues up here. Who's in charge of the tissue ministry? No, it's all right. Sorry, I'm only joking. I wipe it in my sleeve like a proper man. Oh, man. <laughs> right, she said. Hey, thanks. That's it. Leave on stage, luck. Oh, brilliant. Oh, man. Come on, Johnny. Woo! Fantastic. John is growing a beard, right? And I said to him this morning, I said, John, we'll shave that beard off, right? And we'll make a little pile by you and we'll burn it as a burnt offering. A smoke offering. Fantastic. I did it with my hair once, but it didn't grow back. So I'm growing it over my eyebrows now. Growing it from here back. Fantastic. Oh, man. Ah, thank you, Lord. Do you want to hear a good testimony? Isn't it great to hear great testimonies of what Jesus has done and what he's doing? You see, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, yes, and forever. That's what the Bible says. And, um, you know, we can read a lot of stuff in the Bible and look back at all of the wonderful things that Jesus has done. But, you know, it's wonderful to know that he's still willing to do those things. And, and don't ever, you know, don't ever think that God just does big things. He does do big things. He does big, great, big miracles that blow us away. But God is in, in the, as much in the small as he is in the big. He really is. And, you know, sometimes, I love what Brian Houston uh, once said, absolutely fantastic. He said, he said the, the Christian life, he said, it's as extraordinary and as colorful and as wonderful and as spectacular as a rainforest. He said, but it's as simple and as normal and as common and as daily as a cup of coffee. It really is. And the Christian life is, is wonderfully spectacular it's wonderfully awesome, wonderfully amazing, but at the same time, it's wonderfully simple. It really is. And, and it's a wonderful discovery as you, as you walk with Jesus. It is a wonderful discovery of the spectacular, but also an amazing discovery of the simple. It really is. It really is. And believe me, 
Sometimes God is listening to little prayers that are coming from your heart that you don't think he's taking any notice of. You really do. And um, by the time he, he answers that simple little prayer from your heart that you thought he was never taking notice of, you will be blasted. He will blast you. The level of, of God's listening, the level of God's attentiveness to your heart, to your cry, to the ache in your life is so intense and wonderful, it'll blow you away. It really will. I want to ask Anne to come up. Anne's going to share a testimony that's, uh, that, that, that's going to bless you. But do you know, I remember Faye and I one, one Christmas time in mother care in Cardiff. In Cardiff, that's where we were, and we were just wandering around the shops at Christmas. This is the level of care. This is the level of attentiveness of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you now, it blasted me when God did this. It blasted both of us. And we were, as you know, we've we've got our our, our food uh, program, Jesus Cares. And uh, we were praying for food, and we stood together in mother care, on the top floor, looking at baby food, organics, baby food specifically, and Ella's kitchen. And we held them together and we looked and we said, wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had baby food for Jesus Cares? I've said this before and many of you know it, but, and we just looked at it together and we looked at the addresses on the back of the boxes and we started to write down the manufacturer's addresses because we were going to ring them. My phone's talking to me, I think. Try again. There we go. We thought, flipping devil there trying to interrupt. <laughs> Dirty little devil. Don't come in this meeting. I'll parama through it. So we're in there just looking at the baby food. Wouldn't it be great, Dave? To have baby food for Jesus cares. Wouldn't it be great? (laughs) You see, God loves to hear faith. Loves to hear it. Like Dale said this morning, he loves it. Faith. We didn't even know we were talking to God. Didn't even know that God was listening. But he listens to all the conversations you think he can't hear. He listens with pleasure. With pleasure, with, with desire. I can do that. They're thinking about other people. They're thinking about mums that haven't got any, any food for their kids. They're thinking about helping others. I'll listen to that. It gets God's attention. When you begin to think about other people. When you don't see people as an inconvenience. When you see them as an invitation. When you see their need as an invitation. For you to get involved when you can't ignore it anymore. But when people, you you begin to see people how valuable and precious they are. For God to give his son, for God to shed his own blood on a cross. I'm telling you something now. God was not interested in the human race. He was fully committed. He didn't give his time. He laid down his life. 
And when, when we begin to talk about people, and when we begin to have desires for other people, that they need our help, that they need our involvement, oh, a kind word, an encouraging comment, it doesn't have to be something huge. I'm telling you now, the kind word, the comment, even a cup of cold water will get all of heaven's attention when you begin to think about others. And sometimes it's so hard because... There are so many interruptions and so many things that want to pull us away from from the commission that Jesus has given us. But if we can get rid of those distractions and we can begin to think about other people, tell you now, all of heaven's power is at your disposal. All of heaven's blessing, all of heaven's abundance is at your disposal. That's what we found out. And we're having this conversation about single moms and single dads and little babies and children that, that, that are struggling. And this was the best stuff. And we're talking away. And then we, 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 we decided to write some letters to manufacturers and ring the numbers up on the back of the packets. And basically, they didn't have any time for us. So we just, okay, must have made a mistake. Oh, we didn't make a mistake. Oh, no. (laughs) It wasn't a mistake. I tell you now, because the Bible says it is God that works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. And it was a cry from the Spirit of God in our hearts. And then, suddenly, now we've been, you know, the project had been operating for a while, a couple of years. We hadn't, we hadn't had any baby food. Suddenly, ton after ton after ton after ton of baby food was coming on lorries, coming from everywhere. And we were distributing it, distributing it all over South Wales, right? Every fo- and do you, know, do you know the two brands that were coming? And the only two brands we ever got was the only two brands that we held in our hands, Organics and Ella's Kitchen. I'm telling you now, a, a, little, a little insignificant prayer from our hearts in Boots, in Cardiff, on the top floor, that we thought that God wasn't listening to. Oh, he's listening, all right. And when you start to talk about other people, giving them a cup of cold water, just an encouraging word, just telling them that they can do it. I'm telling you now, all of heaven will be at your disposal. All of heaven, and you will be amazed. Like we were, like we were at the, at the, at the, the, the level of attention that God gives the prayer of your heart. Now, in a few moments, we're going to get back into what we started talking about last week. Breaking a do not disturb mentality. Breaking a do not disturb mentality. The enemy wants us to put over our lives that big do not disturb sign so that people don't come near us and people don't approach us, Jesus turns the sign round and says, disturb me. Disturb me. Whatever you need, I am here to make happen. Disturb me. I'm not going to be inconvenienced by your need. You're not going to interrupt me. Your life is an invitation for me to pack everything that I've got into it so you can be blessed. Do you know what, people? are going to be coming from everywhere toward you. Well, they are already. All around you. 
wherever you go, there's going to be people that come in towards you. And the reason why they're coming to you may be hidden initially. But as you begin to spend time with them, as you begin to get involved in their lives, as you befriend and be kind and reach out, we're all going to be amazed at what God does through us. Now, last week we started talking about Luke chapter 4, and we read there where Jesus went to his hometown in Nazareth. I don't know if I'm going to have time. A couple of minutes. I'll ask James to come up. We better finish this, otherwise we're going to be here all day. Jesus or Joe? Sorry, Joe. Jesus or Joe? No. Yeah. Don't now, Joe. I tell you now, he's got a naughty sense of humor. He has. That's why he belongs here. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're terrible, them two. But do you know what, right? Jesus goes to Nazareth. Nazareth needed good news, man. It was impoverished. The one place that you would have thought would have received the gospel, the good news, the anointed Savior, the one place that you would have thought needed what Jesus was carrying was Nazareth, the synagogue. And he goes there and he said, I'm anointed to preach good news to the poor. And as his eyes went across the people, he must have looked as, as he went through each individual, you're poor. I can see the poverty eating you up. I can see the mentality breaking that precious life that God has given you. You need what I've got. You need what I'm carrying. I'm anointed to help you, that's all. I'm anointed to involve myself. You're not an interruption to me. You're not interfering with my plans. I'm anointed for this. And he looks around. He said, I've got good news for you. The 400 years of silence, the 400 years of darkness that's been over this nation, the intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's over. I'm here as Savior. I'm here, God with you, to break this cycle of poverty once and for all. The Old Testament, I've said before, ended with a curse. Malachi, looking into the future, looking into the past, looking at all of the law and how nobody had ever been able to fulfill it, and looking on down the corridors of time, ends his letter with the word curse. Curse, that's all the Lord ever produced. Curse. Reminder that we couldn't do what was spoken. Do you know you've broken every commandment? And there's some pretty big commandments in there. You've broken all ten, friends. The moment that you were born, you were conceived in sin. You were made unrighteous. It's a terrible, terrible tragedy that we had broken all 10 commandments. If there had been 15, I would have broken all 15, 16, 17. I'd have broken all 200. Why? Because that's what a sinner does. And the whole history of it all, Malachi sums it up with the word curse. Curse, 
curse. And the people were living under the curse. Jesus comes into that terrible dark picture. And he said, I'm anointed. I'm anointed by the Spirit of God. Today this is fulfilled in your midst. I want to break the, 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 the cycle of curse. And, and uh, the cycle of poverty in your life. And the poverty that Jesus was speaking about wasn't just about money in the bank. It was about their picture of God. God is distant. God is removed. God is angry. And Jesus said, no. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He was full of grace. He was full of truth. And he wanted to unpack it. He wanted to change their understanding of God from a poor, broken, fragmented picture that they looked to and looked through and filtered everything through. Jesus wanted to restore it all. And he wanted to renew their picture of God. Good news. Great news. The gospel. Yet, you hear the the conversation they begin to have goes round the congregation, maybe whispers, and isn't this Joseph's son? He speaks so wisely. He's got so much wisdom, but he's just, he's just Joseph's son. He, he's grown up in Nazareth like us. us. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. You see, you can put as much clean water into a swamp, but because there's no outlet, the water is going to be putrid. The water that comes in so fresh, so clean, so full of life is just going to become distasteful because there's no outlet. And there was no outlet in Nazareth for any other thought other than nothing good comes out of Nazareth. You can put as much clean water into that kind of poverty and nothing good will come out of it. Why? Because they wouldn't believe what Jesus was saying. They could not accept Why couldn't they agree with Jesus and just say, yes, today this is fulfilled in our midst. Yes, we believe that the anointing is on you. And you have come to deal with our poverty. Jesus never used these words again anywhere else. It was Nazareth that he wanted to go to. It was Nazareth that he wanted to help It was Nazareth that he wanted to break that cycle of poverty with his grace, with his power. But they couldn't rise above. This is just Joseph's son. Even though 40 days before, he'd gone down into the waters of baptism and he'd been lifted up out of the waters and the heavens had opened and the Father of glory said, This is my son. This isn't just Joseph's son. This is my son of whom the scriptures speak about, of whom my spirit will anoint, of whom he will lift poverty. He will break the curse of captivity. He will lift everybody from their prison. He's come to break this 400 years of darkness and remove the curse off humanity and save it and love it and redeem it. And yet they said, This is just Joseph's son. He'd gone into the wilderness in the fullness of the Spirit. Now he's in there, in the power of the Spirit, ready to act, ready to deal with with the infirmities that were all around him that he could see. 
And yet he could do no mighty work there, the Bible says. And he never went back there because of nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. He's appealing to them. He's trying to help them. And at the end, all they did was round him up. You see, when he began to get direct with them, he wasn't getting direct with them to slap them across the head. He wasn't getting direct with them to, you know, to, to shame them. He was, he was accurately handling the Word of God to deal with the mentality, to deal with an attitude. Do you know what I've discovered about people when I've been one-on-one with people counseling them? They don't want to hear truth. They just want you to agree with their error. And these people wanted Jesus to agree with their error. And he'll say, he said to them, you'll quote a proverb to me. Physician, heal thyself. And then he span it and he turned it and he began to apply the rhema word of God right into their hearts. And they rose up, all of them. They grabbed him, the son of God, and they tried to end his mission right there and chuck him off a cliff. The one that had come to help them, the one that had come to redeem them, the one that, that, that had come to say, listen, something good can come out of Nazareth. You can rise above all of these mentalities and all of these attitudes and all of this history that's cursed you. I'm here to empower you. The one that was for them and not against them, they took hold of. How strange that we would hold on to our poverty, that we would hold on to our prison. I heard a story, and I'm going to close with this, of a man and his wife who went to Russia to adopt two little boys. And they went into the orphanage in Russia, and he writes that when him and his wife got into that orphanage, and they they went into the part where all the cots were, the stench was so foul and violent that they were convulsing. They nearly started vomiting. The, the, the setting in which those children had been left in was, was disgusting. He said, you wouldn't put an animal in there. And yet, possibly because of no funding and whatever, those children were sat in their own waste for days, sores all up their body. And this father said, we, we just couldn't believe it was so inhumane. Um, he said, we, we came to them and we embraced them and immediately attachments and bonds were formed. And then they had to go back to their country. And as he was leaving, he was weeping. And the, he said, the screams and the howls of these little boys, he said, was heart-wrenching and heartbreaking. And he said, I went back. And he said, involuntary, out of my spirit came the words. As he laid his hands on their heads, he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you. He said, the words of Jesus came out of my heart. I will not leave you as an orphan. And they went back to their country until the papers were arranged legally so they could go back. And he said, the day came. The day came where we were going back to Russia. And we were going into those orphanages to pick our two boys up. And he said, as soon as we got there, their eyes lit up. And their expectation of 
Well, they didn't really know what, what was going on because they were just toddlers. But their expectation and joy just to see us amazed our hearts. And he said, we picked them up, pulled them to ourselves, and we put them into our car and started racing down the, the, the highway at 100 miles an hour. And he said, as I looked in the rearview mirror at the reactions of these children, he said, I was amazed because instead of feeling joy for being with us, now their little hands were reaching back for the orphanage, reaching back for the squalor. Why? Because that is what these little children had learned to live in. That was home. And now these adults who had adopted them were taking, taking them away from that poverty, from that squalor. But these little kids didn't know that and they were reaching back for all they knew as home. And the father said they didn't realize just then that we had a wonderful home waiting for them. They didn't realize just then that every night they would have a cooked meal and they, they would have recreation time and toys and their own space and a, and a home full of love and care. They didn't realize when they were reaching back for that squalid place, that impoverished place, that we had a wonderful future. And he said, first of all, when we got them into our house, he said, for many weeks, he said, they were, they were putting food in their pockets. They were hiding food under their legs, hiding food all over the house because they didn't realize that there would be another, another meal waiting for them the next day. That's what poverty does. It makes you suspicious. It makes you suspicious of God. God can't love me because of what, he, what I've done. No, God loves you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. It's a relentless love. It will keep coming at you, even if you reject him today, even if, if we've cursed him in the past. My mouth has cursed God in times gone by, but I'm telling you, his love is relentless. His love will never stop chasing you. You can walk out today and not believe what I'm telling you, but I'm telling you now, you will walk out with the love of God following you. You will walk out with the love of God chasing you because the love of God will pursue you it will hunt you down and it will get you in the end my friends it really will and it'll bring you in it'll, it'll accept all of your suspicions it will accept all of your behaviors of slavery that you brought over into the kingdom it'll accept it all why because in the end of it all you will be like Jesus Christ don't condemn yourself for those poor elements that are in your life, those poor impoverished elements, habits that you can't break. It's not your problem, my friends. Jesus Christ has purchased you with his blood. Jesus Christ has taken you. You're his property now. You're not a problem to him. Your problem is his problem. And he sent his spirit not to condemn you, not to shame you, not to point your sin out, but to help you, to teach you, to comfort you, to counsel you, to bring you on through and to make you, at the end of it all, to be like Christ Jesus. You're not poor. You're rich. Jesus made himself poor so that you might be rich. Jesus became a curse so that you might be righteous. And that is the wonderful news of the gospel 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 4. Have a read of it. Paul the Apostle, talking about the gospel. He says this. He said, how did Abraham become righteous? He opens it with a question. How did Abraham become righteous? Did he become righteous with listening to teaching about the fear of the Lord? Rubbish. Chuck it in the bin. What about the joy of the Lord? What about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Spirit? What about emphasizing about on, on all of the wonderful truths? Yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Fear of the Lord. Give me a break. There's too much joy in the New Testament to be fearful. There's too much blessing, too much favor, too much glory of God's Spirit to get caught up in all of that. Judgment. Judgment begins with the house of God. Yeah, it does. Get out. Get out. I'll judge you if you want to be judged when you come with that message. There's another club down the road you can go to. Yeah, judgment begins at the house of God. We are justified. I'll show you judgment. We are justified by faith alone. Romans 4. Was Abraham justified by works or by faith? Paul asks a beautiful question. Oh, man. And he says, listen, if Abraham was justified by works, he'd have something to boast about. It's a bit like earning wages. You work for a day's living. Then you go up to your employer and you say, you owe me this because I have worked. Paul uses that wonderful, brilliant argument to bring clarity regarding the gospel that we are to contend for, that we are to fight for. Do not allow anybody to get religious with you regarding the gospel. No, Paul says, no, Abraham was justified by faith. Simple trust. He was made righteous by faith. God cut covenant with Abraham while he slept and he took on all of the curses on himself so that Abraham didn't have to fulfill any kind of moral code, any kind of religious code, but simple trust that God has done it all, made Abraham righteous and acquitted of all guilt, even of the sins that he would commit in his future, the sins that he'd committed in his past. Woohoo! That'll break a, that'll break a picture of, me, of, of poverty, I can tell you. Right there. Right there. Right. Well, the dinner's burning. It's 25 past 12, so we better, we better finish there. Has it blessed you this morning, the word? I tell you, you know, I'm, I mean, I know I'm a bit over time here, but I don't know why the Holy Spirit mm, came out like that this morning, but he wasn't having any of it. Just to, just to look after you. Look after you. Just to make you feel secure. And just to let you know that there are strong values, strong truths that are in this house that are not going to be compromised. Amen. And that's for God's blessing to remain with us. Amen.
Let's close our eyes just a little minute. There may be somebody here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You don't know Him. You've never asked Jesus into your life. I want to pray with you right now. And maybe, you know, when I said about that little orphan in that cot, you're in such an impoverished place. Maybe you, maybe you believed the same that I used to believe, that God was angry with me. I used to go to bed every night thinking that God was angry with me because, because of the sins I was committing. I couldn't have been further from the truth. God was attracted to me because of the sins that I was committing, not repulsed by me. God's not repulsed by your life at all. He's attracted to it. He's drawn to it. He can't help himself. He gave his son Jesus to die for you. Now, if you would want me to pray a prayer with you, maybe one person. Listen, I know I've been shouting this morning, but I haven't been shouting at you. I hope you understand that. I've just been trying to encourage you. If you would like me to pray with you, I would love to pray that prayer with you. Like I prayed, it's only a simple prayer. It goes something like this, Jesus, I trust you. Amen. And I'm telling you now, you're his, the moment you say that, you're his son, you're his daughter. Make no mistake about it. If you'd like me to pray that prayer with, me, with you, just join with me. Would you lift your hand up? I'll see it while eyes are closed. And then you can put it back down again. And I will know that you want me to pray a prayer with you. And we can give you a little Bible as well. Listen, I know it takes courage to do it. I know you, you may be a little bit afraid. I was afraid when I did it. I was in a tent when I prayed a prayer. Is there one person? Or are we all here this morning and we know, we know that Jesus has accepted us? That's fine if we are. Fantastic. I'm going to pray the prayer anyway. And if you don't want to put your hand up, that's absolutely fine. Because the Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. It didn't say put your hand up in the King's Church. Call on the name. But we just say put your hand up to help you. That's all. Pray this prayer quietly with me. Say, in your heart, nobody else has to hear but you and God. Say, Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior. I want to be your friend. Thank you for wanting to be my friend. I ask you to save me. Make me your child. I believe you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead and you're alive. And because you're alive, I want to know you. Please. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, just keep coming, man. Just keep turning up here every week. And we'll be amazed to hear of the testimonies that Jesus is going to do for you as you get to know him, as you walk with him. Can I ask the musicians to come? We're going to stand to our feet and we're just going to continue. Just maybe just one song, that's all. We're going to, we're going to cap all this off with a praise song. Okay, I'll tell you what, I'll let Faye do a bit of talking now. <laughs> Fantastic. And then we're going to sing. But guys, have a wonderful week. And um, just be aware in this season again, just be aware. People are going to come to you. You're going to draw them the light of Jesus. 
is inside you. Okay, be aware of the people that are going to come your way. And remember, the greatest opportunities are going to come at inopportune times. The greatest opportunities ahead of you, they're going to seem like an inconvenience, an interruption. But whatever you do, just embrace them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.